You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit RightRug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Hello and welcome to the final episode of Nerdificent. For the last time, I am one half of your host, Danny Fernandez. Hey, and I... Sorry, sorry. sorry. <laughs> no, you were perfect. I I did too long of a pause. If you you know in improv, like you were ready to swoop up and swoop in, so we didn't have any oh, dead air. <laughs> trying to keep the air alive, the fresh air. Yeah, how's it going? It's Iffy Wadiway in the building. Uh, how how is there? How's how are you feeling? How, how's life? I'm feeling good. I hope people are. You know, I get being sad about the show ending but you know you can still the show lives on you can go back and listen to episodes and especially like as these franchises and things are dropping new you know marvel dc star wars but like everything else we covered anime like as they're as you need a refresher before a lot of these properties start dropping the next year or two yeah but also you you can still follow our careers we're gonna Mm -hmm. be doing a lot so yeah, truly, you could just uh, just stay following on uh, on the Twitters, and you won't miss a single thing, probably. <laughs> Today we have a couple of guests just to kick off our our final episode. But up top, we have a man who I think you have really? done the most episodes yeah. of the show. It is Hector Navarro. Hey. Welcome. So happy to be here, guys. How many did I do? I did at least two. Was it just two? I did think I do three? three. Really. Yeah. Okay, I did MCU. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. You did Nicktoons and Batman. Nicktoons and Batman. I did Batman? Cool. Yeah, <laughs> then we did we did a we did a refresher before Infinity War too. Yeah. Because that's yes. when you yes. brought all your cards. So that's that four. Was, oh man, that was my Marvel Cinematic Universe <laughs> yeah. card set. You've yeah. done four, I guess. Yeah. Wow. Well, no, I, th- I think that was the MCU one, so it must. No, have no, been we did too because we did the original one, yeah, and then I think we had you back. You before, came back it, mm-hmm. before the uh, in game. Wow. In any case, it has been an honor 
And I'm saluting you both. It was a pleasure. <laughs> Thank you guys for having me back. Yeah, no, of course. We, you know, we, we had to, you know, bring you back to, to bring it down for a landing. Uh, <laughs> uh, y'all are some of my favorite folks and I have loved Nerdificent from the beginning and uh, you guys had a fantastic run. So I hope that you guys are really proud, like mm. genuinely proud of a really cool thing that you guys did. So congrats. Oh, yeah. oh I, always. I guess to kick it off, like if you have those ones that we listed with Hector, what stands out for you as far as like some of your favorite moments? Oh, it's definitely going to be the MCU, whichever one you bought the cards to, because that's when I was like... Yeah, this is this is why we call up Hector. Hector <laughs> is going to make sure that all that that we don't miss a single thing. We're gonna, he's uh -huh. going to make sure that beat for beat, you know, he has his bases covered. I mean, even I, when we were talking about, uh, you know, um, I think which one was we brought you brought like the almanac or something one time and we were talking <laughs> oh about, or no that was on twitter some it was on twitter i was asking about uh wakanda and like now this was this, I, we should we should set this up Ify. this was before mm -hmm. the black panther movie was oh, released yeah. oh yeah and and everybody was discussing the character of black panther the comic book of black panther the idea behind it and you posed such a great question as to like why would this fictional group of people allow atrocities to happen if they were in mm -hmm. fact advanced and they had enough yeah. um, technology or resources to like fight back or help? And it's not the first time I saw that argument. It's not the first time I saw somebody bring that up. Certainly not the first time I saw a black man bring that up. And so mm -hmm. I remember going back to my Rolodex and being like, as far as I can recall, the only in-universe explanation was that Stan Lee, Jack Kirby, whoever then worked on Black Panther comic books afterwards, like established that it was an isolationist country, that they closed themselves off to the world to protect themselves. And we had a great, and I like pulled it up and I took pictures of like the encyclopedia explanation of that because I have a Marvel Atlas that yeah. gives you the history of each fictional country. So there's like Wakanda, Latveria, where Dr. Doom rules, mm -hmm. and all these different fake places. Genosha, where Magneto eventually ruled, the mutant island nation. So Wakanda had that in there, and I took pictures and, you know, was talking to Ify back and forth. But then I remember that that helped me to appreciate the movie Black Panther more. Because yeah. when we went back to talk about the MCU and the movie Black Panther and everything that it had evolved into... I think part of the discussion, which was great, was like Ryan Coogler recognized this. Yeah. Ryan Coogler and his uh, co-writer, collaborator recognized this and they're black men and they wrote that as part of the backstory for the villain, Eric Stevens, a.k.a. Killmonger. Yeah. And what a villain and what a motivation. He kind of wasn't wrong. He yeah. just killed people and that's messed up. But that's that was a, a highlight for me in talking about the MCU uh, with you guys and especially with Ify, that was a blast. Yeah. Oh yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. I would say for me, aside from that, which I think was really helpful, like for people, you just had a way of talking because you we did our road to Infinity War. Was that what it was? Yeah. So. Or something like that. It was insane uh, because you were just able to quickly update people. And then there were some movies like you 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 can watch this. You don't have to. <laughs> Yeah. One of my favorite things was you actually also have an entire encyclopedia on Nicktoons. 
And so we did our Nicktoons episode. You were able to pull that out and talk yeah. about the start of Nicktoons. I forgot, though, what is your favorite Nicktoons show? That's a great question. If we're not counting, because I think we all know Avatar The Last Airbender is amazing. Okay. And if we don't, if we don't consider that, because it's something that I think not to diss Nickelodeon or Nicktoons in the same way that like I wouldn't diss Cartoon Network or like Disney Channel cartoons or, you know, WB cartoons or whatever. But like Avatar and then Korra felt like they transcended Nickelodeon a little bit. Yeah. Like they really kind of. I know exactly of, what you mean. Right. Yeah. They got to another level. So if we're just, if we're excluding them from the conversation and we're like no this is a straight up nick tune but i do want to say also a big part of the reason why avatar the last airbender was so good was because of that infrastructure of nickelodeon letting those animators do what they did so like yeah. that's a nickelodeon show too you know the, yeah. the, 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 oh, the, when that was made when and where it was made and who let those creators make it that's all nickelodeon but let's be real my favorite's probably hey arnold i'm a big hey arnold guy i really love that show growing up I, I dig SpongeBob, but I definitely caught it, you know, late 90s, early 2000s on my way, you know, sort of out of that age group. And then SpongeBob turned into a, well, this is funny for adults. And it is. But by then I was like, yeah, but I'm, I'm into The Simpsons and, you know, South Park and Family Guy and all this other stuff that's more for adults. Um, but SpongeBob's great. But my favorites, hey, Arnold, what are your guys' favorite Nicktoons? Ooh, I think, you know, a lot of classic Ren and Stimpy you know, mm-hmm. Rocco's modern life, not even just because of the jokes itself, but just the art style was always so interesting and kind of pushed the boundaries. Yep. But then um, I, I, you know, SpongeBob has this special place because I remember the when they did show the first ever episode after the Kids' Choice Awards. And I was like, oh, yeah. man, this is wild. So, yeah, <laughs> I remember that. Uh, yeah, I, I was so to, to me, I'm like, OK, this is a solid one. Um, it's so funny you said, Hey Arnold, cause I knew, I forgot that about you, but I should have known, cause you remind me of Hey Arnold. Um, <laughs> Great. Thanks. 100%. As long as I don't remind you of Doug funny, I'll take it. I'll take <laughs> it. Why? Why don't you like Doug? <laughs> Doug's cool, but Doug was a dork. Doug, you know, every, yeah. like, right. Doug was cool, but I, I, I was always as a kid, I was like, look, man, make a move with Patty or just, or, or stop. But then again, I was that dorky kid. I don't know. I like Skeeter more. However, Roger now- was better. I swear to God, if Hey Arnold were older, he'd be like the type of like white guy in college that tries to teach you about jazz, like a hundred percent. He's Ryan Gosling, yeah. So I'm like, yeah, awesome. absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> he is Ryan Gosling. Um, <laughs> mine, okay. So my favorite. So I also grew up adoring Hey Arnold. It tackled a lot of different things that I feel like were important and felt different for mm-hmm. Nicktoons. Mm-hmm. Um, just this is a shout out because we didn't even cover Nick Jr. at all. They True. were doing work. Like yeah. I love Little Bear. Like um, Little a Bear lot of the stuff that they were doing. But Little Bear always played like classical music and it always felt really safe. But sticking with Nicktoons, I would say um, Rugrats. I mean, I just adore Rugrats. It's were, great. It was just so great and really funny. And again, like when you watch it as an adult, there's a lot of like adult humor in there amongst the parents. Oh, yeah. Dr. Lipschitz. Yeah. <laughs> the child yes. psychologist. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. What is something that you guys are real proud of looking back on Nerdificent? What's something that you're real proud of? Because I know, here's why I'm bringing this up, because I know that you guys get the most amazing positive feedback. You get feedback from listeners that is so encouraging and so inspiring and so cool. So give me a, a, a favorite piece of feedback that you guys got or something that you're real proud of that led to some, like a great response. Yeah. 
I think to this day, I still really enjoyed when we had our Comic-Con meetup because it's like one thing to, to, to like, you know, talk with folks online, which is great, but it is like something extra cool when you get to see everyone face to face and kind of just be around each other and enjoy the present, you know, the presence of each other. Yeah. For me, I think it's like the multitude of guests that we had on which are so well-versed in every topic that we covered, but allowing people to really hopefully open their minds about a lot of things. Like we've had really difficult, not difficult, but like just conversations that a lot of other quote unquote nerd podcasts don't have or they're afraid to have. And for us, it's kind of just like, why can't we have these conversations and just be more open to representation in comics? When Ify and I created this show, we really wanted to remove gatekeeping from the nerd community. We want to be like, okay, if you don't really know about this thing, then it's kind of like your philosophy, Hector, where it's like, let me, let's be passionate about it and talk about it as opposed to being like, you don't know about this, then this isn't for you. Instead it was like, oh, you don't know about this. Okay, well, let's talk about it and bring someone in that does know. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. but also just, yeah, our conversations about getting to talk about uh, queer characters in gaming, getting to talk about representation of women in a lot of these comics, representation of people of color in a lot of these comics, and like also how we were kept out. Because the biggest thing that I see in the comic book community and the nerd community is like, well, this isn't canon. They were white. Like this character was white. And I'm like, that's because all those characters were white. That was what was allowed to exist in the 40s when yeah. these were made yeah. in the 40s and 50s. We weren't allowed to be in them. So like... It's not going to kill you if we change some of these characters to be more reflective. Because the truth is, to me, it's like, well, when they came out, they weren't reflective of the actual world. We mm -hmm. existed. We were always around. We didn't just appear suddenly in yeah. the 80s. We were always <laughs> around. For me, it's just like having those conversations about representation Yeah, and yeah. Uh, is really important. I know. I think it is very important because it also just kind of... Uh, nerdificent was such a fun thing to have because you know i've been doing you know nerdy content for a while like i remember on stream last friday we were going back and i was reading my old site that black nerd which was a blog i had when i was talking <laughs> about nerdy stuff and wow. i pulled it up because i specifically wanted to look because i remember and i've said this on the pod before that knowing you kind of shift my like idea of what being a nerd is because like everyone's like oh man you know the, the the gatekeeping and all this stuff and what like you can change from that you don't have to be protective because i wasn't necessarily like a full-blown gatekeepery guy but definitely the way i talked about nerdy stuff is, is uh, like definitely uh, I wouldn't one never like talk about it that way now, but it, it's like some of the way that ignore that annoys me now. Like I, I'm yeah. looking at this is uh, I posted this in August 5th of 2011. Uh, so, you know, I was like 24 and and I was talking. This is when Miles Morales was first, uh, you know, uh, first like announced and yeah. so like yeah. i i wrote a whole thing on like a black nerds thought on a black spider-man and like a um and like the reading through you know it, it's uh like i think i like it, it's so funny because i wouldn't treat it the same now because my my big whole takeaway in this is that like it's like oh it's not it's not 
that big of a deal because we've had a black Nick Fury and all this stuff. Right. And also right. like my whole thing and kind of my, the way I move now is even if I did personally think it's not that big of a deal, I definitely don't want to be like stomping on anyone's parade. I don't want to be like you, you this is why you shouldn't care because if it's a big deal to somebody, it's a big deal. Like there's no, yeah. there needs to be no, there's no qualifier for a big deal. And it's, and the reason that's so funny to me now is because looking at that article and then fast forwarding to when uh black Panther came out and so many, just so many white youtube videos had to be like this is why black panther is not even important it's not that important it's not right. this is it's like right. you don't get to decide that like like it's like just simply at all like i i can never just you know decide what's important for you danny anyone in here because what's important to you is important to you that's a personal uh you know, relationship that you have with yourself. Yeah. But it's so, I think in nerddom, you see that a lot of like, especially like if you look at the new trilogy and stuff and people go, oh, that's, you, you like that? How do, how do you care? And it's like, who cares? Like there are people who are like, I liked the prequels, you know, like, like and, and then they'll be like, because I grew up on it. And, and so mm -hmm. that's what I had. And, and mm -hmm. you don't get to say that it's not good or that because if you go back and objectively look at the original trilogy it's it's not it's not slapping as hard as someone who came <laughs> into star wars late who didn't grow up on it i right. fell asleep during a new hope like it's it's not it, it's it's all these connections and i think yeah with nerddom, <laughs> um is maybe i'm just laughing because i think like you're gonna get cast in a star wars thing and someone's gonna clip this oh yeah and they can <laughs> be like and and say that you fell asleep during the new <laughs> I, I i hope they do and you know what they just just the same way they kept playing hector's own voice when he got cast in dc daily <laughs> like and, and and that's what's so fun too i was just thinking about this when i was on a walk the other day is the idea of appreciation is so much different right mm -hmm. like i feel like before and i think uh gonna yank this uh super producer joel brought this up of the i think i'm gonna mess it up but i'm gonna say it anyway i think it was the french revolution or the new wave film revolution where you had critics criticizing the films and and they and that thus caused the filmmakers to try and step it up so that it was like a friendly kind of marrying between criticism and creation and i think now the idea of nerddom is to blindly like it and not call out anything yeah. about it like yeah. you know like because i'm a dbz fan i can't call out that mr popo is racist it's like no i can appreciate Wild. the parts of dbz that i like and call out that this is a caricature of uh sambo uh that was used in this and you know it's it's interesting and i think yeah. that's the soul yeah oh i wanted to go back to what you said iffy about like things being important to people even if you took away like all those YouTube videos that were like, this is why Black Panther actually doesn't really matter, blah, blah, blah. Like even if you took away representation, which is important to people, it's really important that we show studios that they can bank on these. Mm, right. Like that's the biggest thing. Like it was aside from, yes, all of that. But like if we're still talking about the white gatekeepers in our industry, they need to see, unfortunately, we still, in order to push for movies that are representative of us, we need to show them that we can make money um, because they're still controlling so much of these decisions and so much of what gets funded and what doesn't oh, get yeah. funded. I mean, which that's, sucks, sorry, but that's like yeah. also why it was important that it did well. Yeah.
Oh, 100%. Yeah. I think also it's just, you know, as people who are in the industry, there's so much information that we're privy to before the public and seeing the public's reaction. It's just so funny to know how confident people are when they know nothing. Like, it's so interesting to see someone <laughs> describe and try and yeah. fully explain something that you know how it's going to work. You know, you, 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 you know what, what's being worked on, you know the steps, and people just doing full th Twitter threads that you're reading and you're like, oh, you're just wrong. And what's going to happen is you're going to be wrong and you're just going to move on with your life and not even take into the fact all these claims yeah. that you've made, all this, you know, pressure you've put on someone based on just your assumption and i think that's what's starting to drive at me is like you people are just so openly loudly wrong and so confident in speaking on things they know nothing about and i oh think that gosh. could be said about many things danny Agreed, got a yeah. male person <laughs> sorry <laughs> okay. molly is also agreeing yeah yeah <laughs> i just want to say too i just want to say back to iffy for a second Iffy, that was a beautiful compliment you gave me where you said that I had changed your idea of what a nerd is because I totally agree with you 100%. I think differently about things today than I did when I was in my 20s, than I did when I was in my teens. You know, it's okay to be able to change your mind about things, JK Rowling. It's okay to be able to, 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 to update and to realize, you know, what's important. And I was more protective and defensive and traditional with the stuff that I loved. And as I got older, I, I looked at the context. I looked at the historical context and I went, why are the things that I like the way that they are? Why are the things that I love, um, like, so, why do I love them so much? Are they a strong enough idea and strong enough important, like, are they important enough to me that I can hear somebody lob an honest criticism at it and still be able to take it? I love Spider-Man and there's real genuine problems within the story of like, he ends up marrying a supermodel. I'm like, that's not super healthy. That's not a great yeah. message to give to young boys. And that's just one small example. There's, there's lots of examples where nerdy stuff, you know, like you mentioned, you guys are talking about all the big franchises have to, they're really a focus of what's happening at, at a larger scale uh, in the world at the time. And what's happening right now is that people are becoming more aware of others' experiences. They're becoming more aware of what is important to other people. And they're asking and demanding for their entertainment at the very minimum to be equal and fair and representative of different people. I think people are also asking for more important changes to happen. And I, and hopefully that's going to happen too. But at the very minimum, when we're talking about entertainment, when people go, oh, it's just entertainment, just let it be entertaining. Don't involve politics into it. Don't bring in social justice into it. I, I, I have said this over and over and over again. There is no such thing as art without politics. That is part of it. It's an expression of what's happening in the world. And if you're a fan of this stuff, and if you love this stuff, I think that sometimes it can be tough to look inward and to look at the stuff that you love and honestly criticize it. But I also think it can be tough to, in that space of loving an entertainment thing, to look around and point at your peers and point at your colleagues and go, you know what? What you're doing is unhealthy. What you're doing is gatekeeping. What you're doing is, whether or not you know it, it's upholding white supremacy. It's upholding the patriarchy. Like it's sexist. It's racist. It's all this stuff that doesn't have to be that way. And you may think, no, I'm just complaining about how I don't like the new Star Wars movies. Well, why? Well, I don't like so-and-so-and-so. -and -so. Well, why not? Are you consistent in that feeling with other, with like the rest of the historical context of that particular franchise? And are you aware about the rest of the historical context and, you know, what it does and how it appears? And it's such a bummer to say this, but we've come a long way. We have a long way to go. 
And in terms of the nerd sphere, like it's it may it may seem like it's small potatoes, but really, truly, really, I think there needs to be much more work done at the level of like calling out toxicity on the internet, especially because those big studios, like Danny was mentioning, they are paying attention to the vocal minority. They're paying attention to the people that are very loudly saying, we didn't like Star Wars The Last Jedi because this, this, and this. And then they, Disney responds to that and then goes and makes their third movie. And apparently, allegedly, according to the rumors, they really did look at how people responded and then they sort of course corrected. And it's like, to some people, they course corrected in the right way because they made a movie that they enjoyed. And to others, they course corrected in the wrong way because it went back on some of those ideas that a lot of people connected to that were like feminist ideas or, you know, whatever. So, but it's all varied and there's a bunch of different nuance in everything that I'm saying. But I really do think that like in the same way, it's a bummer to have to ask people, hey, call out your relatives on the internet, especially on Facebook and stuff when they're spreading like misinformation about political issues because that can lead to harm. Like you have to call out your relatives uh, and it's a bummer, but same sort of thing, like call out your friends, call out your peers. And when you see somebody online, especially like somebody like Danny and Ify, who they're, they're doing the work, they, they put themselves out there, they talk about issues that are important to them. And then they always get knuckleheads coming in and being asses about it. If you see an ass, go in there and be like, you know what? Look, this is why you're mistaken. Boom. And it just helps because it's another voice that is being added to the voices that are saying we care about this stuff and we want to share it with people and we don't want to be exclusive we want to be inclusive and just be able to enjoy all the stuff we enjoy well i was gonna ask what message you have for the nerd community that's the message baby you did it (laughs) you did it um hector thank you so much for coming on our final episode and all of these episodes that you've been on thank you so much thank you danny for changing my mind about what a nerd is and thank you, Ify, for changing my mind about what a nerd is. Because before Ify, I didn't know nerds could bench. But now I know. <laughs> they can bench. Seriously. They can they can take on animals that are much larger than them, strength to strength, and be able to yeah, defeat 100%. them. So thanks, 100%. Thank you, Ify. <laughs> you know, but yeah, no, that's it. Thank you. Because uh, there's a lot of buff nerds out there getting it yep. in. Absolutely. <laughs> um, Hector, where can everyone catch you? What are your socials? Find me on the internet at... Hector is funny on Twitter and Instagram, and uh, that's it. And thank you so much again, guys, for having me. You guys are awesome. Yay. We're going to take a really short break, and then we'll be back with more guests right after this. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S., That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash iHeart. That's lifelock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. 
Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. And we are back. Hector is such a joy. Always such a joy. Um, but we wanted, of course, on our final episode to talk to super producer Joelle Monique, who joined us this year. Yeah. Hey, lady. Hey, what's up, guys? Yeah. What has... I'm sad this is the last one. It's been uh, emotional for me as a person. <laughs> Just... <laughs> but I do if I don't see you guys once a week. <laughs> yeah. I know. It's... We still have our longstanding Netflix parties that we do. <laughs> that's so. true. Getting it in, yeah. No, that's a what a what a what a wild ride it's been. But yeah, you've been on quite a few eps uh, yourself, you know. And so, yeah. do you have a favorite episode? Oh man, uh, the Ahsoka episode, which I know happened so recently, but was such a blast. It was so fun to talk about my girl. I'm obsessed with her. <laughs> um, and then the chance to defend Ant-Man as potentially the greatest superhero comic book movie of the MCU was amazing <laughs> because I didn't think anyone would want to hear that argument. And so I appreciated you guys letting me air that out here on Nerd Innocent. I guess I would, because you're so heavily entrenched in the nerd community as well. Like, mm. what are some things that you would love? Like, what are the messages you would give people, one who maybe like, don't necessarily feel they have a place or have been gatekeeped and then like things that other people can do to kind of make this a more welcoming space. Mm. Uh, what you can do to make this a more welcoming space is when someone tells you why they like something, listen to it. Similar to Hector's take, um, which was, you know, maybe more about not being sort of like a direct asshole. <laughs> my, my take is more like, you might learn something if you hear why people are enjoying the new thing, mm. right? Like, yeah. it's, I feel like I have this debate with the Star Wars people a lot, especially, <laughs> like, first-gen Star Wars people. And then I had to learn it, too. Here's the craziest thing. You can be the most woke nerd person, or at least think you are, and once you get older and this new generation comes in and you're like, listen, y'all, because I was 10 when the prequels came out, and I'm like, these are not great. They're not the Star Wars I'm used to. They're a little slow. I hated part three. And then some kids came out and they're like, no, it's wonderful. How dare you doubt our queen? 
look at her dresses. And I was like, I do have to give the dresses props. Or like, look at all that she does as a politician and the fact that we have this like strong female politician in the front. Look at how we start um, equating droid like usage, especially as like slave labor and starting to open up those conversations in our galaxy far, far away. Like this like network of things expanded, not just in a technological aspect, but from a fan base. And so for a lot of people, love the prequels and i had to learn that the hard way because i was certainly out there trashing them and anybody who liked them like you don't know star wars eh." (laughs) so definitely take a listen if somebody likes something you don't and you just take the opportunity to hear what it is they're enjoying and why they like it you'll probably learn something not just about yourself but about what your fandom Mm. has lacked and i think that's a great way to start like allowing people in the other thing i would say is like go to conventions when it's safe not now (laughs) don't go to a convention now it's not a good scene but when they're when it's safe um, I used to think I couldn't go to conventions because they're super expensive. And I was like, how will I ever manage to do this and, and hotel and people? But if you can get close and even like your local conventions are going to have amazing artists. And I think as fun as like a Hall H can be, it's fun to be, quote, in the room where it happened. But it's also really cool to like watch an artist grow by like going up to their table and be like, oh, my goodness. Look at all the like cool work you've done. That's really sweet. And then you come back next year and they're like, here's my first comic. I self-printed it. And you're like, wow, that's so cool. Like, I'm really proud of your progress. And then two years later, they have a deal with a major thing. And, like, that's how you become involved in the community. Like, that to me is a communal aspect. The, the stars are awesome and great. And it's so wonderful to see them do their thing. But it's the people that are just getting started out who are so, like, on fire, passionate about their work. That I think makes the community the strongest. Hmm. Oh my I gosh, I don't yeah. even know how to add yeah, on to no, that. That's, that's it. You know, what, what, more? what more? Yeah, I was going to say, I guess, what uh, what things that are coming out or like things in our fandom, franchises, movies, whatever comics, what are you excited to see Ooh. in this upcoming year? Or hopefully things that are going to eventually come out. Mm, mm, mm. Yes, <laughs> there's a lot of good stuff. Keeping my Star Wars trend, Deborah Chow. She is phenomenal. If you haven't seen 2014 Flowers in the Attic, moi, perfect. But she's also doing all of the Star Wars stuff, and she's so, so, so talented. She directed two of the Mandalorian episodes. But now she's taking on, like, I believe the Han Solo series is going to be about what was happening when Han Solo was hiding out on Tatooine and, like, how was he protecting Luke from afar. And Undercover Dad sounds like the best story ever, and I'm very much looking forward to it. Um, obviously the Wonder Woman movie can't get here fast enough. I have so many questions. A lot of my faves are in that. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing that. And then, you know, I don't, Avatar Last Airbender is really having a renaissance right now with its addition to Netflix. <laughs> yes. And if Nickelodeon wanted to pick that up and do anything with another Avatar, I love Kiyoshi. I wouldn't mind seeing what happens after Korra. We could go back and do origins of the first one post when he gets his powers like what are the first missions he's going on so many cool aspects of that series even if you just wanted to give me adult ang i'm not complaining about it whatever you want to do with avatar the last airbender i'd be here for it <laughs> let's do it yes same i don't i don't know maybe maybe we should give Shyamalan one more try maybe maybe give him one more crack at it stop it stop no <laughs> zero more tries Three rocks for earthbending? No. That's a hard fail. Wait, have you guys seen the videos where they do the side-by-side of um, what it's like to, like, what the fight was in the television series versus what the fight was in the movie? 
No, uh uh-uh. No. I'm going to try to find we'll that link to you guys later. Link. It's the saddest thing in history. Korra's oh my fight gosh. with the Master Airbender, or I'm sorry, Katara's fight with the Master Airbender. Oh, brilliant. Gorgeous. Wonderful in the animated form. You can drop us a link right now because we have to take another quick break. Yes. And then we'll be back with one final guest right after these messages. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. And we are back. Final episode of Nerdificent. And now we are joined by one of my dear friends, Mr. Christopher Smith Bryant. Hey. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Good, good. How we you are, doing? are you doing? Yeah. Are you emotional having the last show today? Oh, uh, I mean. I think we've been pretty. Yeah, pretty chill. I think it's going to be one of those. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, like that. I always call it the Will Smith moment. That's 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 how I deal with emotion. That's that's how the TV taught me how to deal with emotions as a black man. Is you have to you let it happen, then you come back to the empty house. Like I'm gonna log into an empty Zoom on uh, <laughs> on next Tuesday and be like, "Where are all my friends?" <laughs> Chris, you you were on for a couple of our episodes. One of our one of my favorites is our queer characters in gaming, which we just ran for Pride yes. a month ago. Uh, you were also on our Sims episode, mm-hmm. I remember, with Claire Max. It was funny because both episodes we talked about how nerd culture is very important for any marginalized group, especially mm-hmm. marginalized groups that are using nerd culture for escapism. It, mm-hmm. It's funny, I was just having an interview about Comic-Con this year because it was all online. And I was like, I felt like it was so amazing because it was finally 
super accessible for the groups that need yes. it the most, which are marginalized communities that don't usually have access to Comic-Con. Or now money. they feel like, yeah, like they could, because it is such a privileged thing to go to Comic-Con. But really, the people who need it the most are people, marginalized groups in the middle of, you know, the country who who need that community. Mm-hmm. So for them, I think this year was actually really a brilliant year for that. Yeah, no, that that's super uh, you, like that's what I was thinking about, too, is just especially just like even people who maybe have the financial means, but just the like, I don't know, all the walking around, getting around this pack city or if you're. If you're not comfortable around large groups of people, you can finally like get all the info and all that and still be at home and not dealing with, uh, you know, people pushing you out the way so they can get a toy from Hasbro. Uh, <laughs> the Funko Pop like collector bros are uh, slightly that's just a, a scary level that I didn't know existed. Like, especially when you go to their house and they're just like all staring at you, all of the little, you know, eyes, the Funko Pop eyes. It is kind of elitist in the fact that they'll nab them, right? You have to have the accessibility mm-hmm. to be able. And again, we're talking about something that's like less than $30. Yeah. So having the accessibility to be to get to be in San Diego, get to like stay there. Again, I've talked about this. The hotels that weekend are insane. insane. I had like I got to stay at the Marriott for one night because like another company was paying for it. And I was like, oh, you know, I just instead of changing rooms because I normally have to change rooms a bunch. I'm like, I'll just I'll just stay another night. And I called down at the front desk. I'm like, how much is it? And they're like, oh, it's eight hundred dollars. I'm like, oh, OK, no, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. I'm good. I'll sleep on someone's cot. Yeah. Yeah. But like just being able to be there, like you said, or the badges are like three hundred to four hundred dollars, and um, so they nab these toys and then they sell them for like three hundred, four hundred bucks, and it's like it's just like you were saying, it's keeping the people who actually need this community who could who could benefit and enjoy some of this. It just keeps them out. Yeah. So I I'm just hoping that they continue to live stream panels, mm-hmm. even if they have yes. them in person. I would love if they live stream them, more of them. And I would love if the exclusives are just mass, you know, available to the masses like they were this year, you know, online and everything, because I want people, especially people like your people who have disabilities, people mm-hmm. who have. Uh, so for the viewers who don't know, I uh, I'm on the autism spectrum and Crowds for me are very difficult. So I can't imagine, especially, you know, uh, people who might, I I hate using this term, but lower functioning people on the spectrum going, uh, who can't go out to Comic-Con. I want them to have the ability to, you know, to feel like they are a part of it. Because community, especially in, in the geek world, is one of the most important things that we can have is, is community. So that, People who might feel lonely or who use this as some sort of vice uh, can can use this as a way to bring people together rather than be more and more further divided. Yeah, I I would say that's what um, being that this is your last show. That's what I appreciate. Really, what you guys created is you created a voice in the nerd community that is very needed. That is like it isn't just a white cis male space. Mm. Um, many people need need this community and i think that you actually you guys created more than just a podcast that you know people could bring facts you gave a voice to i think people who didn't hear themselves heard in any other you know 
sort of nerd media. Yeah. Thank you very much for that, Chris. Well, yeah, I know. That's for you. Oof. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the Comic Con panel that you did? Because mm. people can catch that right now. They can oh, watch it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think there's a cool thing about both uh, me and you had panels about feminism, right? Like yours was about, uh, can you tell, uh, you, you first, what was yours? Mine, I think mine, I, the title I'd have to look up, but it was essentially uh, like representation of women. We actually were featured in Huffington Post, which I'll tweet out from the Nerdificent thing, but we had an entire article dedicated to our panel that talked about tropes, like a lot of the things that we tackled with like how the misrepresentation of women in media still today in 2020 and how we can fix that. Cause I think it's a lot to point out, like they do this, but we also pointed out like, here's a way that you can fix that. So um, I'll drop a link. It was really, to our panel. it was really awesome. I saw some of the clips of it and you are so well-spoken and it was such a great panel. Mine was a similar, mine was the power of female friendship and it featured the cast of Sailor Moon and also our good friend Sam Maggs, who is the writer of Captain Marvel. And it was it was cool because it was a uh, panel about Sailor Moon with also being more than Sailor Moon. It's about like how important it is to discuss female friendships in nerd media and how there are very few, like even a lot of the superhero books, it's a female that's working alone and how important it is to have uh, talk about relationships in writing and in nerd media. Yeah, you're you're totally right. I wanted to talk about just even the the exclusives real big before, real quick before jumping uh, back into this. But they're back in the day. I knew people who got you were talking about, uh, you know, getting the free hotel. But I knew people who got free tickets to Comic-Con from sellers They'll get their ticket and all they needed from them is to sit in the Hasbro line to help them buy it up. So they're out here like abusing the system to do like like there are systems in place meant to kind of make exclusive more accessible. And people are going out of their way to go around it and sell them for way too much money. And I think it, it really, really kind of sucks that people was like, we'll do that. But I think, yeah, I think that's that that was the one thing that uh, it's funny because, you know, who who shot you, you know, the other podcast I do, their whole tagline is a movie podcast that isn't three white dudes talking. And it was funny because that's essentially what we wanted to do with Nerdificent, where it's like we we noticed this space. And even though now, like, even though there are, there are a lot of things that were around before us and came but i think now people are actively kind of searching for different voices out there but like it felt like when we were coming together to make nerdificent it was like you there there weren't anyone kind of propping up these like diverse voices it was the same you know the same white voices you'd hear and that's why it's even funny uh seeing you know g4 and everyone being like, I hope they 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 have all you know the same hosts back. And I was like, Do you though? Do you want the <laughs> same? Like we've come so far from when G four went down. You want the same? It was all that was the unfortunate thing. I loved G four growing up, but all the hosts were like white people. And you and and you have people being like, Oh well, it better be the same host. And I was like, It better not be the same host. It, it yeah. will. Yeah. And I think it's because you know. People don't realize how weird that would look, you know, people and it and it and that's why I kind of 
talked about in the Hector portion, this attachment to nostalgia for nerds. It's like, oh, you want the same thing. And I think that's the same that that'll find that'll be that problem with uh with Star Wars. And every time we see there are people who put find their nerd thing and they put it in a time capsule. And I was talking with a friend and she was talking about a show she was watching with her partner, right? And the show was like a mid show, like not even like this great show, but the show had so much emotion attached to where she was at the time that she saw it. So they finally got to the final episode and like she was crying because of just knowing how far she come at that time in her life and what she was going through. And she was laughing how she was like, she didn't know how to explain to her partner that no, the show didn't make her cry. She's, you know, it was more just that, but she almost, it was almost too much to explain. And I was like, Oh, just say the show made you cry then <laughs> like, that'll be easier. But I think that's what people do to nerd them is especially like when you see it. And even I do this, but I, I think it's, it's good to kind of like uh, notice it and don't become one of those people who make your identity these nerd things so that when something is changed about it, it feels like they're trying to change you. And that's what you're seeing. When you see people have these violent, aggressive reactions to characters changing, people changing, it's because they've put so much of themselves within this property that they don't own or have control over that when it changes, it feels like someone's trying to change them and they have to fight for it. And really, it's like appreciating what you got from it and not not attaching yourself to it you, you know like mm. you can be attached to it but it you, it you shouldn't make yourself a part of something you and i think this goes beyond nerd things i think in general never make yourself a part of something you truly can't control because you will be put in that position eventually well and it's like you always even if it's real life or nerd culture you will always see you'll always be disappointed by your heroes in some way and I think the problem is, is that people like I remember when the last Star Wars movie, uh, God, what was it? The one that pissed everyone off, The Last Jedi came out. And a lot of these nerd bros had this violent re reaction to seeing Luke Skywalker become and end up such a flawed uh, human being where in their mind that might have been Mark Hamill in that, in that time might have been like a father figure, this person that lifted them up. So it's like, I think you're right. The Last of Us 2 is a great example because mm -hmm. that's something that's dividing the nerd culture in a mm -hmm. way. I think people put so much of their self on the first game and when the second one broke everything down, mm -hmm. they couldn't appreciate what was new because they wanted the same feelings that they had yeah. with the first game again. I also think that there is a huge thing in what you were saying, which is like the nerd community collecting versus uh, community. Like instead of focusing on collecting every Funko Pop or every this, Comic-Con should be about the community and it should be about getting together. And I think that that's one of the things that's, that's hard to watch, that was cool to watch this year, is that it kind of became again about the community, even though we are all so you know distanced and everything and made people focus on like, wait, the important thing isn't getting these Funko Pops or this and that. I want to be around my friends. Mm. My, honestly, I love cons because it's the one time where nobody would say, we can't cuss on here, but nobody would call me the C word mm -hmm. or B word to my face. Like none of, they. some of those people at Comic-Con, they might've written it to me, yeah. <laughs> but they don't have the guts to say it to my face. And so it's just a time where I can exist in this space 
and just take in everything and have people come up to me and and celebrate work that I've done or just like or just me getting to be a nerd and exist out there. But it's just like it was my favorite part in all of like the voice actors and my friends that go. It's like none of us get treated like a like a POS when we're there. But it's like, you know, online, we take so much of that hate. And like you said, it's the vocal minority. Mm -hmm. Because then when we're amongst everyone at Comic-Con, it's just this bustling feeling of happiness and energy and joy. And it's that's how it should be. It's like all this passion coming out. Oh, yeah. that's I think that's why the it is very accurate to call Comic-Con nerd Mardi Gras, you know? <laughs> and uh, because you, you really do. And it really, like, even as, you know... Uh, someone as dorky and extroverted as me, you get to see people kind of come out of their shell, dancing, having a good time because they feel comfortable and safe. Because I think one of the things that keep people from being, you know, as open, and I think this goes once again, another one of those things that go outside of nerddom is just like how much people will relate to you, how much you trust, you know, you don't want to, you know, let loose in front of somebody you fear might make fun of you or make you feel less than for doing it. So when you have all these like-minded people, you're like, oh, this person over here is dressed as Link. Oh, they're definitely not going to judge me for like busting down on this (laughs) Ocarina jam, you know? And, and that's what I love is just seeing those faces and you're seeing people light up. And, and it, 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 and also that's why, you know, as much, uh, I was almost going to let say as much, uh, S I'll say, I, I dump on San Diego as a city, as a whole, as a County, uh, as a part of the world. I do <laughs> love that, you know, San Diego has given in and allowed, you know, the, the nerddom to just take over downtown which is why anytime people like oh it moves to la it was like no it can't like as much as you know angelino i am i love there's just too much going on like everyone's always like oh la sports fan don't care i was like no we just always have something going on i'm sorry when there's a lakers game there's probably a taylor swift concert going on next door there's also a a a a baseball game there's you know there's so much going on that like you almost have this like you, yeah, you're not hyped. I'm, I'm sure in Cincinnati when the Bengals play, that's a whole event because, yeah, <laughs> you know, and sorry. It's like, um, no, I was going to say it's kind of like E3 for me is mm-hmm. right is usually right after Pride. Oh, my gosh. So what a bl- I'm like walking into E3 hungover. Yeah. Eye bags just like kill me <laughs> <laughs> because it's true in L.A. It's like we don't have that hype because it's like there's always. But with Comic-Con in San Diego. I mean, it was cool. I had a friend that FaceTimed me and there were people still in the middle of the street, social distancing, trying to kind of experience Comic-Con, even though they couldn't be there. Yeah. Oh, I can only imagine. Yeah. San Diego probably felt the change of all this the most because especially all those businesses, like as much as, you know, there's those there's always like one or two weird bars that are trying to like make fun of the Comic-Con thing. But as much as even they will do it, they probably make so much money from the city just being flooded. Every bar, like it really, like Mm. I think we're they're going to feel unfortunately a huge financial hit because I'm sure all these businesses make 
buku bucks because every bar is packed every restaurant like no matter where you want to go if you want if you're thinking of okay since i wasn't able to go uh because of the the rona i'm definitely going to comic-con next year let me let you know that no matter how far you push out you just go to go get a good airbnb go to the rouse and cook up a dinner and then save one night where you're really willing to wait for an hour to have a good dinner because everything is so packed (laughs) but it's kind of why also i like that this comic con was online is that i'm hoping that in smaller communities and people who can't get to san diego they can have a local bar night where they all watch panels together or they can have like a mini comic con over there yeah yeah i think that would be beautiful oh yeah well chris i was gonna say as we're wrapping up here do you have any words of encouragement Mm -hmm. For nerds, maybe any of them that might be on the spectrum or queer, like anything that you've had to deal with trying to make space for yourself in this community. Do you have any words of encouragement for people who aren't quite there yet? I think that now is one of the most difficult times because because of the distancing and everything that people are, the social distancing. And we've already had an issue of it's like what you were saying, Danny, how you would go to, to Comic-Con and finally people were not calling you negative words to your face. But they do that online. And unfortunately, the one negative side to all of the distancing is people are more vocal and more fighting online now more so than ever. So I have the weirdest thing that is just try to not argue on the internet would be my biggest thing. Try to find... Zoom calls, uh, if you're doing Twitch, some way, though, of still meeting people and connecting with people where you can actually talk to them versus then just tweeting them. Because the most important thing for us to do as nerds is to have some sort of community together. And that's one of the things why I'm so sad about this show is because I know that it was... um, it, you know, it's, it wasn't just a podcast in a weird way. It was kind of showing the actual community of nerds that are not always represented in, you know, every nerd media. It was showing you had people who are trans, every single color. Like you had so many, such a diverse group of people. And I think in some ways it wasn't just a show. It was kind of a show of a community and it brought people together. Every show that you guys do, I have people that reach out. So... Uh, that say like, thank you, I felt like my voice was heard. And I think that what we can continue on with the spirit of Nerdificent is just continuing positive communication, but also communicating like how you guys do in this podcast, people hopefully not just talking over Twitter, but being like, hey, do you want to go on a Zoom call and talk about this game or talk about why we have a difference of opinion of The Last Jedi or like whatever, like actually have those conversations where you can see and talk to the person instead of just relying on on Twitter, because I think that that will be the way to make sure that we have a community and have connection with each other um, in a time where connection is is very scarce and, and is, you know, fleeting. So that would be my advice. Thank you for coming on for our final episode, Chris. No worries. Thank you for having me. I love you guys. And I'm very proud of everything that you created with this. Well, where can everyone catch you? Um, you can see uh, my Instagram at Tinder Chris. That's T-E-N-D-E-R Chris, uh, C-H-R-I-S. And um, you can also see me and Jenny Yang have a show that is every other week called Comedy Crossing, which is a 
uh, comedy show in Animal Crossing. Also, my charity, which is uh, a queer gaming nonprofit, the biggest one in the United States. It's called LAGS, uh, Los Angeles Gaming Society. You can find us on Instagram as well. Yay. Yay. Thank you guys so much. Look at my friend doing so much. Um, Definitely wanted to shout out super producer Joelle Monique. Thank you again for all of your hard work. Um, Can you just plug your socials again really quick for the peoples? Sure. Uh, It was an honor. It's a lovely show. And though I'm sad to see it come to an end, I do think it stands as a, a lovely historical record. So if you guys... Want to follow me? I'll be producing a couple new nerd shows coming down the pipeline here at iHeart that I cannot talk about yet, but I am very excited to share with you guys. Uh, I'm all over the internet at Joelle Monique. That's J-O-E-L-L-E-M-O-N-I-Q-U-E. And of course, uh, our engineer, Zach McKeever, who has been with us since day one. Yeah, holding it down. Yep, uh, yep. You don't ever hear him, but he is uh, why we why we sound good. Yeah. Um <laughs> Of course, Jacques, mm-hmm. our uh, editor, is also why we sound good. Yeah. He cuts out a lot of things oh, yeah. <laughs> to make us sound smart. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, you know, he's been on the pod before and he has his own pod, Culture Kings. Uh, you know, we had uh, Dan Goodman, uh, Jack O'Brien yes. for, you know, uh, mm-hmm. believing in the vision, uh, Anna Hosnier uh, holding it down with us at the top. Uh, yeah. And every guest who's ever came on and everyone of you who has ever listened, uh, you truly, you're the only reason we've been able to do it and made it great along the way. Uh, and, you know, speak, don't uh, take Nerdificent as a podcast. I'd say take it as an ideology, uh, uplift voices that you uh, you don't hear being uh, said a bunch. you know, smash that RT if someone if someone's, you know, speaking truth to power and I think, you know, uh, you know, feel free to nerd however you want to nerd as long as it doesn't encroach on anyone else's vision. And don't let anyone ever make you feel less than for doing that. Um, and as we'll say, for the last time, Ooh, stay, stay nerdy. nerdy. Wow, we actually got it the, together yeah, yeah. on the yeah, last yeah. time. I know, see? That's... <laughs> wow. <laughs> Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. 
old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.